To be part of a church that is so affirming and so accepting of anyone who comes through the door. So you can imagine how cherished, how valued I felt when I was given a new sheet on the way into church tonight and it says, fake news, Ian White. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't been coming for very long or not familiar with what we're doing on a Sunday evening, uh, we have been looking at certain aspects of our culture which as Christian believers we have something to say about. We've looked at films, we've uh, looked at a painting, and tonight, uh, my task, this is the last one in the series, I believe, isn't it? The, my task tonight is to consider this whole area of fake news. Two words that have come to characterize a lot of our culture in these days. My friends, fake news can be lethal. On the 14th of April 2014, over 200 young Nigerian girls were kidnapped by Boko Haram, a terrorist organization that is ravaging that country. For many months, journalists were prevented from investigating this atrocity and they were hamstrung by the government itself. Influential Nigerians told them that they were naive and they didn't understand the political situation in Nigeria. They also told them that the story of the Chibok girls was a hoax. It was fake news. You try telling that to one of the grieving mothers in Chibok who chased down the road following the truck that was kidnapping their girls with a machete, only to discover that Boko Haram were armed with rifles. Sadly, the hoax narrative still persists in parts of Nigeria, and to my knowledge, only 21 of the over 200 girls that were kidnapped have so far been recovered. This illustrates for me the fatal effect that fake news can have. Alternative facts that are aimed at distorting or denying the truth. It causes pain and anguish. Now, really, we we know that fake news is as old as the hills. It goes right back to the very dawn of time. In Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning of the Bible, we discover Eve being tempted to eat the forbidden fruit. And the snake uses a classic fake news technique. He asks a question. And he says to Eve, did God say that you mustn't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Really? Now, how does that faking work? Well, that question is designed to undermine Eve's confidence in what she already knew. It's designed to to chip away at her trust in God. And it's crafty because when we ask questions like this, it puts us on the back foot. Oh, did God really say that? And in an instant, I feel I have to come up with some kind of justification for my view. And the process of doing that justifying, and it all happens in a split second, the process of doing that justifying begins to sow seeds of doubt in what I previously thought really was true. Did God say it? Maybe he did. 
Maybe he didn't. And if he did, does it matter? Now, we, <laughs> I, guess, I guess we all know how the conversation should have proceeded. Devil, did God say you mustn't eat of the tree of life? Eve, yes, he did. Now, push off. But it didn't happen like that. So, the ability to undermine and the vulnerability to being undermined has since been part of human condition, the human condition. Right since that event took place. Mankind split up with God because of fake news. And my friends, if you, if you want the, the whole overarching message of the Bible, in one single sentence, it's this. God wants us back. And he goes to extreme lengths to be reconciled to us. Man split up with God because of fake news. So let's just ask, ask ourselves a question. What does, what does fake news look like? How can, we, how can we identify it? Well, first of all, there's the downright lie. On the 5th of July, 2014, the Ukrainian army entered Slovyansk city, and that's in eastern Ukraine. They gathered all the locals in Lenin Square, and then they organized the public crucifixion of the son of a man who supported Russia. The boy was only three years old. And uh, a, a refugee from the, from the city, this lady, her name is Galina Pishniak, she told the story to Russia's first TV channel. You can see it there. In fact, this event never happened. If you go to Slovyansk, there is no Lenin Square. Not one of the residents of the city can remember anything about this happening. In reality, Galina is married to a, a pro-Russian militant. Here is his Facebook page, and she's just there. Uh, he, she's married to a pro-Russian militant. And he got his wife to pose as a refugee, to dress up, and spin the story to the cameras. And it went viral. It was a downright lie. But a lie deliberately purposed to evoke pro-Russian sentiment. And who knows how many minds have been influenced against the Ukraine as a result of clicking on that footage. It was fake news. There's the lie. Then also, there are the so-called alternative facts. Um, in other words, a different way of talking about an event or a situation that is deliberately chosen to draw the hearer's mind away from the truth. Let me give you a couple of examples that are re relatively recent. Let's take the 2017 um, inauguration of Donald Trump. How many people attended Donald Trump's inauguration? 
Now, he had his team claim it was the largest ever, and more significantly for them, many more than Barack Obama's uh, inauguration four years before. So here's the Barack Obama in 2009, here's Donald Trump in 2017. And within hours of making that claim, this photograph and others like it were being circulated around the internet and printed in newspapers. Well, you make your own mind up. And in the ensuing argument, even the number of people travelling on the city's underground to get there was brought into the frame. And the same pattern emerged. Now, what is interesting about this, actually, is, is not the numbers. I'm not particularly fussed about them. But the way those numbers were defended afterwards. His press team asserted that they were working with, quote, alternative facts. Now, that's a significant phrase, and it's one that has come to characterise fake news. Alternative opinions we can work with, alternative views we can manage. We may not agree with them, at least we can assess them and hopefully come to some agreement, hopefully agreeably, with each other. But alternative facts are a different story. They're a different entity. Alternative facts are not facts, they're falsehoods. And when journalists call this out, the called it out with, uh, with the Trump team, the reaction was also very significant. The response of the team was that either the truth isn't so black and white, or it's no big deal. It doesn't matter, guys. It's fake news. Now, actually, I follow... Sorry, that was my phone going off earlier on. I forgot to put it on silent. Um, but I follow Donald Trump on Twitter. And uh, it's ironic that one of the people who complains loudest about fake news is one of its most frequent proponents um, and produces quite a lot of it. So uh, that, that's a right-wing politician. Um, just to, for the sake of balance, let's choose someone from the, from the left wing, so, shall we? Um, Jeremy Corbyn is reputed to have said under his breath that Theresa May was a stupid woman. Watch this. Oh, we need some sound on the... Sorry, have we got sound on the laptop? Give it a go. I'll make sure I've got some this end. Yes, I've got lots this end. No, we still haven't got it. I'm getting shaking of heads. Okay, well, what, <laughs> well, well, we'll watch it without any sound, but you make up your mind. What was he, what was he saying in this clip? <laughs> he says here, I, I, I didn't use the word stupid woman. I described um, uh, people on the opposite benches as stupid people. There we go, stupid people. Then Theresa May gets up and she says, we are not impressed, and neither are the people who are sitting behind you. It's all, it's all good fighting stuff, you know. It's Prime Minister's question time. It's a... <laughs> okay, had, had we heard the soundtrack, you would have heard the alternative fact. You see, I'm being asked to believe something 
that is not the case. I'm being asked to believe an alternative fact when something else, when the truth is manifest. And I would find myself much more able to trust him as a leader if he'd said, look, okay, I may have said it under my breath, I apologize, I did it in the heat of the moment. But that never happened. So two examples of alternative facts, one from the right wing, one from the left wing. I'm not making any political points here, I'm just saying it happens and it happens at the highest echelons of society. So, alternative facts are when facts are presented, well, sorry, and when fiction is presented as fact. And my friends, if at the highest echelons of society we can't trust our leaders, whoever they are, to speak the truth and acknowledge the truth, even when the truth doesn't help them, then we are in dangerous territory as a society. You see, that's what brought Nazism to power in Germany. That's what brought communism to power in Russia. And that's what got Jesus crucified on the cross, humanly speaking. A falsehood presented as a fact. So, we have the lie, we have the alternative facts, we also have examples of conspiracy theories. And there are still people who think that the moon landings never happened, they were just a thing staged by the media. And the method is simple, invent a story around something that is well known and produce a conclusion that suits you, even if that conclusion isn't true. Here's, here's an example from the life of Jesus. Um, he had just risen from the dead, and the authorities, who finally thought they'd nailed him, were frustrated and angry because the security measures they'd put in place, i.e. guards on the tomb, had failed. Here's what happened. This is Matthew chapter 28. Did I put the text up? I did. Yes, here we go. Some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, oh, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers, and you see, these may have been the guards who were actually on the tomb. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, because they shouldn't have been asleep, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day, well, the day when Matthew was writing, of course. It's a conspiracy theory. It's not the truth at all. It's fake news. Not only do we have the conspiracy theory, but we also today encounter the misuse of science. I have a particular concern about this because I used to be a scientist before I went into the ministry. I'm old enough, however, to remember um, being at primary school and kids going down with measles. And whenever that happened, there was a sinister undertow to the conversations that took place around it. And I can remember going home and saying, Mummy, can you die from measles? And she said to me, oh yes Ian, you can. So when having developed an effective vaccine for measles, a UK doctor decides that he would manipulate a few statistics to claim that the MMR vaccine is linked to autism, it went viral. 
And in the UK, the uptake of the vaccine has dropped to its lowest level for many years. In fact, this year, the UK has lost its measles-free status with the World Health Organization because there were 213 cases of the disease in the first three months of this year. And in some areas, it is spreading. Sorry, 231, for those of you who are keen on the detail. It was fake news. So we, we have all these different methods of fake news. We've also got the doubt-inducing question. And we've already considered that when we thought about Eve earlier on. The list is endless. We could go on and on and on. But let me give you two verses from Proverbs, which I find quite helpful here to understand it. First is in Proverbs 12. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy brings healing. What is common among all these different uh, varieties of fake news is they all seek to undermine our trust in something or in someone. You know, Christian churches and fellowships are, or at least should be, and they are, certainly here, places where trust is enjoyed at an unprecedented depth. And that should be a normal part of our relating to one another. It's evidence of the Spirit of God being at work among a fellowship when, when people can trust one another, can trust what they say. Yes, I know we're all human and we all slip up from time to time, but we can trust the people that we are and what we say to one another and so be insulated from some of the fake news that pervades our society at the moment and has done for millennia. But let's now ask the question, as a society, how did we get here? And, and really, the, the latter half of this, uh, this evening, I want us to think about digital technology. Because digital technology has turbocharged fake news. And, and now, how's it, how's this happened? Well, it's happened in, via several routes, but two in particular. Firstly, we can now all be publishers. Only a few decades ago, it would have needed a printing press, it would have needed a circulation method or broadcasting studio, and a lot of money to get a message out to, to a mass public. But now we can all be publishers without the requirement to check our facts or our claims. With only a little knowledge of HTML, it is, it's the language in which websites are written, it's pretty easy to pick up, um, and a small outlay, it, you can do it for less than 100 quid. I can, I can buy a website name, I can buy a convincing looking template, and then just insert my own text, true or false, fake or real, it doesn't matter, I can just insert it and, and you're away. And this has become lying on steroids, and you know, it's well known that we've accused Russia of weaponizing fake news, because there's so much of it that tends to come from that part of the world. We can all be publishers. And the second thing that um, turbocharges digital technology is we all make choices about what we take in. When I watch YouTube, for example, I'm offered a collection of other videos that I might be interested in watching. And the same is true on Facebook, on Google, on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. Um, here's just, you, you don't need to worry about the detail, but that was my YouTube page today. 
and, and what I'm being offered by YouTube here is a whole variety of other videos that I might be interested in. Uh, there's J. John here talking about messianic prophecy. Um, there's something about the EU here. There's a piano recital. And you can understand how some of this I might be interested in. Um, how to make latte art on your coffee. Um, you may wonder why the seekers get a mention there. That's because I was um, leading a funeral soon and the family want to use that song. It just happens to keep cropping up now on my YouTube channel. Bother. Um, and so on and so on. Who makes the choices about what I'm offered when I watch films on YouTube? The answer is YouTube's choice algorithm does it. And perhaps I could say a word about these mysterious algorithms because we, we hear them referred to in the press quite often. An algorithm is simply a list of instructions to achieve a goal. For, for example, suppose uh, you wanted to drive from Chichester to, I don't know, Petersfield. Uh, and I'm assuming you're not just going to blindly follow a sat-nav. If you're going to do that, you have several options. Either you can go across all the, all the country roads that go up through, you know, Chilgrove and South Harting. Or you can get on the, uh, the A27, you can end up going on the M27 and go on the fast roads. The motorway route is a bit quicker, but it's longer and it's easier to drive. The country route is shorter, but it's twistier, although it is prettier. So which one do you choose? Well, you just take your pick. And each of us are going to bring a different conclusion to that. Now, the, the, the point is this. The logic that you used to make that decision that is your algorithm. You took some data, number of miles, number of minutes, and you took some preferences, the weather, I fancy pretty today, and you came to a conclusion. Now that's all that YouTube is doing, that's all it's doing. It's taking some data, the titles and descriptions of uh, videos that it has in its database, and some preferences, what you, or in this case I, have viewed before, and what I get shown is an amalgam of the two. And it comes up with its best guess of what you might like to watch next. After all, when, when I'm using the site, I, I don't want to see the latest promotional video from, I don't know, the Arctic Midnight Sunbathing Association or something. I've got no interest in that at all. But I have got, possibly, potentially, an interest in these. So they want me to stay on the site. They'll offer me these, these options. And this tells us something quite important about the internet. The internet is not just a huge network of connected devices. It's a huge network of connected minds. Your choice influences their suggestion. This is what allows fake news to flourish. We kind of like it. We click on it, just out of curiosity, of course. And at one level, YouTube's selection method is a perfectly innocuous and perfectly sensible way of pointing me towards other stuff I'm interested in. 
But Jeremiah tells us that the heart of human, the, the human heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can fully understand it? And when, when a fallen mindset becomes infused into the data and into the algorithm, the suggestions of where to go next will be infected with my mindset. And my mindset is far from pure. Who clicks on fake content? We do. Now, we don't go for the sort of glaringly violent, at least I hope you don't. But something that's just a bit more spicy, a bit more dramatic, a bit weirder, a bit more clickbait. And we can look at this both spiritually and neurologically. Spiritually, it's a reflection of our fallen nature. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And we can also see this neurologically because every time we click on something that's a bit more spicy, we get a tiny hit of the neurotransmitter dopamine. That's the excitement hormone. And that mini high keeps us looking for more. And as I do that over and over again, I can end up in a digital world where my preferences are almost all there is. My online activity becomes an internet echo chamber where my preferences are constantly being reinforced and I end up thinking my world is the world. Fake news can take a variety of forms and it's turbocharged not just by the machinery but by the way we click on it. So how can I... How can I react as a Christian? I do believe as a Christian believer there is a, a place for us calling out fake news. This is uh, Ephesians chapter five. You, I'll put, I think I'll put the text up here for you. Yes, Ephesians chapter five. Among you, that's among the church, says Paul, there must be not even the hint of obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving have nothing to do with these fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Name them for what they are. And I believe that as Christians, we have a duty to society to call out on falsehood and fake news because truth matters. But we don't always know what is fake and what is real. It's sometimes quite difficult to determine t'other from which. So in this last few minutes, I thought I'd give you just a few things that I hope will help you to spot fake news. Um, here are a few things. First, be skeptical about headlines. Uh, headlines of fake news stories are often very catchy and they've often got lots of capital letters or exclamation marks. A responsible journalist doesn't write like that. If claims in a headline sound unbelievable, they probably are. Second thing is, that's helpful is check the sources. Just make sure that the story comes from a place that has a reputation for accuracy. If the story comes from a site that you've never heard of, then click the About button. Sometimes you'll find there's nothing under there at all, but any responsible journalistic source will have something under the About button. 
and look closely, and this is probably easier on a PC screen than it is on a small device like a phone, uh, look closely at the URL, the Universal Resource Locator, the web page address, because sometimes those web page addresses are, are manipulated. I remember having one that looked very, very authentic from Barclays. And as soon as my mouse hovered over the, the URL, I noticed at the bottom of the screen, instead of saying barclays.co.uk, it said barclays.barclays.com. Well, that's not the real website. And thankfully, that sort of tipped me off to the fact that it was, uh, it, it was a scam. But check the sources and check the URL. Look critically at text and photos. Check the dates. Fake news stories often contain timelines that just don't work. And sometimes a photo may look authentic, but when you look at it closely, you can see that there's an image that's not right. Follow the evidence if they're saying something has happened. Can you find this somewhere else? Can you seek corroboration for, for the story? Because if it's a good story, it's very rare for one person only to be reporting it, or one website only to be reporting it. You can go elsewhere and ask, oh, is the BBC reporting this? Whatever you think of the BBC, have they got it? Or have most of the major newspapers picked it up? And, and finally, and this is, just be aware that sometimes we do get landed with funny stuff. Try and spot jokes when they are jokes, uh, but not all of them are. Uh, sometimes we, we don't mind having fake news. I'll finish with two things. First is a story, second is a verse of scripture. The first happened on April the 1st a few years ago at my church in Eastbourne. Um, we were hoping as a church to support a project organized by the BMS World Mission to help tea plantation workers in India. And the idea was that when you picked tea leaves, obviously the leaves don't go back into the soil to provide nutrients. So a company in Southampton had come up with this plan where if, if we dried out our tea bags and got them to them, they would turn them into fertilizer and ship them out to India to help these plantation workers. So guys, would you please, if you wouldn't mind, dry out your tea bags this week, bring them into the church, and we will... Uh, we will make sure they get to Southampton. And by the way, there's a prayer meeting for the, on Wednesday, and if you want to join a small group, there's a leaflet in the Welcome Centre. Remember, April the 1st. Guys, I was inundated with tea bags. <laughs> they came in boxes, they came in baskets, they came in carrier bags. In fact, I even had a, a phone call from one lady who said, uh, Ian, she said, I work in a care home and we drink a lot of tea. <laughs> and I've asked our chef to put all the tea bags to one side for your tea bag project. In fact, I've rung up the manager of the whole of the chain to see if they will join in this tea bag project. And I had to say to her, look, I'm sorry, did you notice what the date was on Sunday? She said, no, I didn't. I said it was April the 1st. <laughs> I won't share with you what her reply was. <laughs> Contains some parliamentary language. Um, <laughs> sometimes we enjoy fake news, uh, and, and, and it's just a bit of fun. But do beware when it's not fun. And I want to finish with a verse of scripture. Actually, Roger used this verse very helpfully last week. Uh, by default, I'm very fussy about getting scripture right and in its context, but I hope you don't mind. I'm going to change a single word in this, in this verse. 
and I hope you'll see why. When writing to the Philippian Christians, Paul said this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then click on these things and the God of peace will be with you. God bless you, my friends.